The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You are now tuned in to the Roto Experts. Rise and shine, fantasy players. It is a beautiful day in the neighborhood. It is Monday, June 25th. Let's cock a doodle to it. This is Roto Experts in the morning. I am your host, Dane Martinez. They call me Speed Spin Statistician. And as always, I am honored to have as my co-host, FSWA Hall of Famer, El Rey de Fantasia, right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It is the king Scott Angle. Scotty, how was your weekend, brother man? I was pretty busy. Met game Friday, uh, Kiss Tribute Band Saturday night, and uh, rookie draft last night. Very, very busy. It sounds good. Listen, uh, my team, the Trevor Ending Story, fell back into second place. Didn't have any horrible blow-ups or anything. But, uh, Scotty, I did have Vizcaino as one of my closers. You know I need saves. Right. You know, so this guy, you know, goes on the DL for me. I ran to the I ran to the wire. I hope you agree that I did it. OK, I actually went A.J. Minter instead of Jesse uh, instead of Winkler. Um, I think Minter might be the guy there. Uh, he's been pitching better than Winkler recently. Uh, what do you think happens there down in Atlanta? Because, you know, they're still in the thick of it. Uh, I, th- I think, you know, we don't know how long this guy is going to be out, but Winkler was ready to get the last save chance. So. Uh, I think it's going to be him for right now. All right, we'll check that out. And then, obviously, as always, George Kurtz puts out the great closer article um, on usually on Tuesdays. We'll uh, have a chance to talk about it a little bit later on from this week. Real quick, you know, we got the Roberto Ozuna thing came down. It was seventy-five games. We kind of knew that. We were telling people about this Toronto Blue Jays closer situation for a while. I thought it was interesting, though. A couple of kids got sent back down to AAA over this weekend who may be on fantasy rosters, Scott. You know, Fernando Romero in Minnesota and then also Domingo Santana from Milwaukee. I mean, these guys sent down. Santana was not doing it this year like last year. I mean, last year he had 30 home runs, was not performing this year. Uh, What do you think about these kids getting sent down? Are we going to see them back anytime soon? Uh, he probably will with somebody like Santana, but he's just been a bust so far. And I think a lot of gonna, a lot of some a lot of people kind of cut him, so you have to keep an eye on something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, we, you got to start paying attention now because right now is fantasy football season for us officially. Right. We launched the exclusive Edge fantasy football package on RotoExperts.com right now. But you know, if you play two sports, you know now becomes the busy time for your studying. Take a month off of work. There you go. Yeah. Will you write them a note or something for their boss, like a doctor's yes. note? Yes. I'd be like, listen, I'm in the thick of fantasy baseball, and I have to start prepping for fantasy football, so I need extra time. I need to take some time off here. You'll, you'll write a letter saying that, Scotty? Yes. Absolutely. And then I'll check take it out, care guys. of it. 
Okay, sounds good. Because listen, now what we're going to be doing here on Roto Experts in the morning, you know I'm already talking football with Jake Seeley in the 8 o'clock hour. But me and Scott, we are going to start going through the Exclusive Edge package. You know, listen, this is a premium service, so we can't let you completely behind the curtain. But we are going to give you a sense of some of the incredible content that is available there, uh, you know, because you need to get ready. And this way, Scott, honestly... If they just buy the edge package, right, like they don't have to take a day off from work because then when they get home, they can kind of just peruse all the information, you know, from great writers like Murchison, Kurtz, yourself, Jake Seeley, myself. And I mean, they'll really just get everything they need to win their leagues and win their cash that way. Go on over and check out, please, the 2018 NFL exclusive edge draft package over at Roto Experts. So we're going to be doing double duty here as well. We'll talk a little baseball. We'll talk a sure a little football to preview what is going on in the package. Scotty, though, over the weekend, a couple things I do want to just mention here in baseball, some of the big-time teams that are out there. Um, The Cleveland Indians don't look now, but they're 10 games over 500, Scott. They're 10 games over 500. I told you they were going to get healthy when they had to play inside the division, and that is exactly what's happening. Look, Edwin Encarnacion hits his 18th yesterday. He's got 53 ribbies. Jose Ramirez hits his 23rd home run yesterday. He's got 52 ribbies. And also, don't look now, Scotty, but uh, our boy Jason Kipnis is up to 212 in his batting average. He was still on the interstate. He's added about 15, 20 points to his average over the last week as well. I've been saying it to everybody they're talking about the Astros the Red Sox and the Yankees don't forget about the Indians they're starting to get right Scott yeah Edward Encarnacion always always starts slow and you know, now he's starting to pick it up with the five RBI game yesterday uh you know this is this is around the time that Edward Encarnacion really starts to get hot overall hitting just 238 but 18 home runs 53 RBIs and then you look at his his recent performances over uh, over the last seven days, he's got 12 RBIs. He's in this month. He's got 19 RBIs and, and eight walks. Uh, if you play in an OBP league, he's got a 393 uh, OBP over the last seven days. Average wise, not picking it up quite enough just yet. Did have 315 in May. Dipped a little in June, but you're starting to see the power production. He's got five home runs already this month and seventh in May. Seven in May. Yeah, so the Cleveland Indians are starting to look good. You got to assume they are going to be in October. And remember, they got a pitching rotation. Uh, you know, the likes of Kluber and, you know, of course, Bauer, Clevenger have, have all been strong. Don't forget Carrasco is starting to throw in his comeback also from a forearm. I also saw a note that Danny Salazar is starting to throw as well. They could get Who him cares? back. I mean, listen, but Scott, this rotation is legit. We talk about some of these other teams, but I mean, if you can go Kluber, Bauer, uh, Clevenger and then Car- and Carrasco. Those are four legit starters that I'd be comfortable with in a playoff series, Scott. Yeah, Danny Salazar is not news. It's even when he's healthy, he doesn't have the command. He's wild. Uh, you know, who cares about the playoffs? You know, we're talking about for fantasy purposes. You know, Kluber's going to anchor your team. Bauer had an 11 strikeout game over the weekend. Clevenger has been mostly good. A few few up and downs. Uh, then you want to see right now that the, the back end of the rotation is Pluko Bieber. and Beater. Pluko pitched well yesterday, but he's been unreliable. But to get Carrasco back, uh, then it's really down to who's going to be that fifth starter, especially in AL only leagues. Is it going to be Pluko or Bieber? And my money's on Bieber.
Yeah, Bieber uh, got me a win on Friday in Roto Clio, so we'll keep an eye on that. Um, maybe it moves the needle for Scotty for fantasy purposes, though. Yes, Carlos Carrasco is starting his comeback. Remember, he got nailed. I believe it was the forearm, Scott, on a ball back up up through the middle yep. is what he's out for. Um, other teams that are contending here. We've got to talk about Boston real quick here, Scotty. Chris Sale, like, listen, we've been talking about Kluber. We've been talking about Verlander in the AL. Don't forget about Chris Sale. You know, I always talk about Severino. Sale has a great outing yesterday. Strikes out 13 and seven scoreless for the Bo Sox. Also, I'm intrigued. Mitch Moreland goes yard. His 11th of the year. Scotty, I mean, we know he's not. Maybe he, it's a little bit crazy for him to be an all-star, shall we say, but he's done well in uh, in the stead of Hanley Ramirez after he was DFA. Crazy story about Hanley Ramirez over the weekend. Also, that's outside of the fantasy realm, Scott. Maybe we'll talk about that another time. What do you think? Mitch Moreland, though, uh, satisfying fantasy owners in his extended opportunity? Oh, yeah. I mean, it goes without saying, you know, hitting 299 with 11 home runs and 39 RBIs. The one thing with Moreland, though, he worries me so much streak. He's so streaky. He's hitting 435 this month. Makes me think he's going to hit 182 next month. So that's what I'm saying. You got to watch the ebbs and flows there. Um, Scotty, we're going to have some Dodgers on the show this week. The Los Angeles Dodgers were in town with the Mets at City Field. Later on in the show, we're going to hear a little bit from uh, breakout starter Ross Stripling. But I got to tell you something, Scott. These Dodgers, seven home runs yesterday. Kike Hernandez and Bellinger each hit two. Muncie goes yard. Jacques Peterson goes yard. Turner goes yard. The Dodgers are now six games over. Um, question, my question in this one is about not, you know, the, not Turner or Kike Hernandez, but guys like Muncie, Peterson, are they uh, performing for the Dodgers? I'm interested in Peterson. He was hitting like 200 for a while. Is he starting to pick it up? Uh, yeah, he has started, but the batting average is going to kill you. I mean, Muncy's been a terrific pickup. He's he's starting to he's starting to hit uh, again. But you know, Jock Peterson, you know he'll he'll give you he'll give you the power. Uh, you know, we saw we saw the power for, from uh, the Dodgers yesterday. They hit seven home runs, which is a record for City Field and the a tighter record for the most by a Mets opponent. You know, Peterson's hitting two seventy one right now with ten home runs and thirty RBIs. I think I think that batting average is going to regress regress if you know Jock Peterson. He's hitting three forty in June, but then he hit two eleven in May. The thing is Cody Bellinger is really starting to heat up. I was there Friday night when he launched a big grand slam and he is he's really starting to pick it up. Bellinger's starting to come out to that funk. Come out of that funk, and we'll hear from Dodgers hitting coach uh, Turner Ward right now. Uh, you know, Tuesday, actually, we'll we'll uh, hear from him about some of the early struggles, etc. But he, he seems like he's really, really starting to get on point. Two homers yesterday in a grand slam Friday night. Yeah, absolutely. Let's, in fact, do that. Uh, I know we do have some interviews this week. The King Scott Angle spent some time with members of the Dodgers. Today, we're going to hear from uh, breakout starter Ross Stripling. Uh, so let's do that now because we're talking about the Dodgers. Uh, Scott, as our guy Chris Bavona, the manimal, who's down there taking good care of us. And listen, guys, if you want to join the show, and maybe you're going to have some more calls now because football is getting started. Exclusive Edge Package has launched. If you want to call 
us. The number to call is 844-843-6879. We'll get you ready for your fantasy football drafts. And also, I got to tell you, we got a poll question up, Scotty, because we gotta, we're going to crown a champion, it looks like, this week in our face of baseball. We're at the semifinals, and today we have the two-seed Aaron Judge going up against the three-seed Jose Altuve. That should be an interesting matchup if you want to get it. Our guy Chris Pavone is putting it up right there on Roto Experts uh, on Twitter, at Spittin' Speeds, at Scotty Roto X. So many ways to join the show. But, uh, Scotty, when we're talking about Ross Stripling, what'd you, uh, what'd you talk to him about a little bit? Uh, let's preview these clips. Uh, basically, you know, what was the reason for his breakout this year? And he pointed actually to a uh, uh, working in the pen with, with uh, pitching coach Rick Cunnicutt earlier this season and how basically it turned his season and his career around because he wasn't happy about being in the bullpen last year. He always wanted to be a starter. All right. Sounds good. Let's hear it straight from the horse's mouth. This is the King Scott yeah. Angle. And it's like the talented Mr. Ed over here. And we're all stripling right here on Roto Experts in the Morning on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Scott Engel of the Fantasy Sports Network here with Ross Stripling. Ross, uh, talk about when you were working with your curveball with Rick Honeycutt uh, this offseason. I mean, earlier this season, it seemed like a breakthrough session for you. Yeah, you know, I think it's it's always been a pitch that had so much vertical break that I feel like I really had to kind of aim it to get it where I want it. And uh, just working with Honeycutt in a bullpen session kind of throughout spring training and then early in the season, he finally asked, like, you know, what do you really think when you throw your curveball? And like I just said, I'm like, I I just feel like I really have to aim it to get it where I want it. And he was like, you know, I think the best curveball pitchers in the game that I've talked to, which were Sandy, Koufax, Kershaw, Rich Hill, you know, to name a few, just literally throw it as hard as they can in the strike zone. And I was like, I don't know if I can do that. And he's like, well, give it a try. So I gave it a go. And um, that's kind of all I think now is is I pick a side of the plate and I throw it as hard as I can to that side of the plate. And it's uh, it's been really good so far. Does that make it really tough on hitters? Because now maybe they can't tell as hard as you're throwing it, whether it's going to be a fastball or a curveball. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it is. I think it's made a big difference for me because it's it's got the conviction of a fastball and the arm speed of a fastball. And then obviously it breaks, you know, straight down to 12-6. So it, it uh, definitely probably hopefully comes out of my hand, looks like a heater, and then obviously has the break. So it plays really well off my kind of high fastball in the strike zone and then the curveball off that, which drops down below, you know. So definitely a good sequence that I try to use a lot throughout a game. Dave Roberts has also said that he feels that one of the keys to your breakthrough this year is uh, having just a better grasp of the fact that you have a four-pitch arsenal. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think... I was in the bullpen, and, and really, you know, there's not too many guys in the bullpen that have a, a four-pitch mix, you know, and it, because of that, I always wanted a chance to get back in the rotation. I felt like as a rookie, yes, I had four pitches, but I didn't really know how to use it. I was just kind of trying to keep my head above water, get big league hitters out, and, um, you know, you're just kind of struggling, trying to learn, um, you know, like I said, to get these guys out at this level, and then feel like I figured it out over the last two years and wanted to get another shot to start, and, uh, you know, thankful that Dave gave it to me. take advantage of it and like uh like you said just able to kind of use the four pitch mix and keep hitters off balance so do you feel now like every time you go out there you want to prove that you know you can stay in the rotation because that's been your goal right you always wanted to be a starter yeah that's exactly it you know i was i was grateful for the opportunity when we said hey you're gonna make a start tomorrow and i didn't know if it'd be 
one start, two starts, or what, you know, so I wanted to, to really take advantage of it, and when I got that shot to go in, and, uh, you know, be able to give the team length, and, and go five, six, seven innings, and, and just give the team a shot to, to win every time I took the mound, which I feel like I've been able to do, and, and they keep running me out every fifth, sixth day, and uh, certainly uh, feel like I've, I've taken advantage of the opportunity, and hopefully can uh, continue moving forward. You play fantasy sports, not that you know how baseball works, right. but... You were a very hot free agent pickup this season when you, when you started playing really well. And when somebody like me says to you, hey, Ross, I have you on two of my fantasy teams, how does it feel like you're the, you're the pickup? You're not, you're not picking somebody up. You're getting picked up. Yeah, that's pretty neat. That's kind of like a, a dream come true when I think of how much I grind in, in fantasy football and basketball. And then to think of someone out there is doing that, you know, picking me up on the waiver wire, that's kind of a cool feeling. Uh, I get a lot of mentions on Twitter about guys uh, picking me up on fantasy baseball, stuff like that. So certainly fun to to be able to help guys like you and, and other guys out that are uh, playing fantasy baseball but you know obviously not what I'm thinking about on the mound but afterwards when I see it and guys are like hey man you really helped me on fantasy baseball today like sweet <laughs> happy to help so that's interesting it seems like Ross Stripling yeah he said it right there at the end happy to help so he's uh he's he's into the fantasy sports and he's into uh when uh you know owners are picking him up and cheering him on that way huh Scotty Scotty Angle. Scotty Angle, listen, I'm telling you what happened, okay? My man Scotty Angle is over here working so hard on the exclusive edge package, right? He's telling other people that they can take time off from work. He needs to take a little bit every now and then. No, I don't. Well, Scotty's there. I had my fun Saturday night. Uh, Apologies for the technical difficulties here. We'll try to get those straightened out going forward. But, uh, you know, Stripling was talking about that bullpen session with Honeycutt where, you know, he just felt like he was being too perfect with his curveball. And, you know, he said, throw it like a fastball. And now opponents really, like, don't know whether a fastball or a curveball is coming. His strikeout numbers have gone up. He does have an 89% strand rate, but, you know, his ex-FIP and his FIP are not that much higher than his ERA. All right, so we'll definitely keep an eye out on that. Listen, I have Ross Stripling myself on the Trevor Ending story. He's helping me out as well. So I am, you know, count me among that number that are very happy that he's still performing for fantasy baseball teams and the Los Angeles Dodgers. Scotty, the last game I want to talk to because it dovetails into some of the injuries that I know you have from over the weekend. Listen, my New York Yankees got swept. Down there in Tampa, okay? And honestly, I heard they were talking about how the idea that uh, this opener really got to them a little bit. They weren't able to get into a groove. I mean, on, on Friday, it was Stanek and Yarbrough. They get Font for five innings on Saturday. They couldn't hit him either. And then Andres for three innings on Sunday. Listen, this is the first time the Yankees have a three-game losing streak all season long. They get swept Uh-oh. by the Rays. But here's the other thing. It could be even worse. And this is where it goes into your injury report, Scotty. It looks like Gary Sanchez might be going onto the DL. I mean, he was hitting like only 200, but still had the yeah. power numbers there, had the homers and the RBIs. But it looks like he may, may spend some time on the DL with a groin issue. Some other guys got banged and bruised over the weekend. I know Caleb Smith and some others, Scotty. What's going on on the infirmary report? Yeah, you know, maybe good news for the Yankees because Austin Romine's hitting for a bit of a higher average and some more pop there. So, uh, you know, if you have Sanchez and you're disappointed, hopefully you picked up Romine. I did in one of my leagues Uh where I, I basically could use that boost at the second catcher slot. So some spirited bidding for him uh, last night. 
Uh, you know, we saw some other injuries. Gene Segura has missed four straight games now with an uh, with an arm infection, but uh, they said he was available to pinch hit yesterday, and he should be able to play today. We'll have to keep an eye on that. Uh, also, Mikel Franco uh, suffered an injury to his side yesterday. We don't know is about his availability uh, for the beginning of this week, so we're gonna have to wait wait and see uh, with him right now. Uh, sorry, it was actually he slipped on first base and it was a knee injury. So uh, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to wait and see. Uh, as we talked about, Arodis Vizcaino on the DL with a shoulder injury. So, uh, Travis Janikowski uh, soreness in his quad. So we don't know right now if he's gonna be ready for the beginning of the week or not. Uh, and we sh- we should see the return of Ronald Acuna Jr. from Ooh. the disabled list today. Okay, Acuna coming back for the Braves will definitely be helpful. Remember, he was killing it before that injury. It looked pretty gruesome, to be quite honest. Remember him going uh, back uh, about, at this point, what, maybe three weeks, a month ago? A Fenway kind of running through first base, lunging there. It looked really awkward when he got banged up. But if Acuna is back, that'll help Braves fans and, of course, fantasy baseball owners. Real quick, Scotty, before we turn the page over to football, people got to go on over to DailyRoto.com. Listen, we are shifting a little bit to football, but honestly, at rotoexperts.com with the Brandon Williams article, you can still get your two-star pitchers, your streamers, your waiver wire pickups. We will continue to hold you down, okay? And then over at dailyroto.com, remember, they put out their DFS preview very early in the day. You can check it out at any point in time, but Scotty, I look at the pitchers today on Daily Roto. Um, you got Justin Verlander going, and he's obviously you know, going to be the most expensive pitcher on the slate today. He's gotten quality starts in 15 of his 16 outings so far. But in this second tier, there is no shortage of options, okay? Guys like Blake Snell, your boy Gio Gonzalez, who's pitched great, Jamison Tyone, and also Mike Fultonevich coming off the disabled list for the Atlanta Braves. You talk about Okunia, they're getting Fulty back as well. Clevenger on the hill as well as the second tier. Are you going to pay up today for Verlander, Scott? Or are you going to try to take a stab at one of these kind of second tier guys that can definitely get strikeouts and perform, uh, you know, and, and return some value for you. Where are you going today, Scotty? Well, I wouldn't go Fulton Evans because it's first game back. I like right. Tyon a lot against the Mets. Uh, the Mets on this current homestand have only scored more than one run month. Well, more than one to two runs one time, and that was yesterday. Uh, Tyler Skaggs is just coming back from an injury, so I'd probably avoid them. Felix Hernandez is an interesting pick. Uh, against the Baltimore Orioles, but I probably wouldn't would use him. Shelby Miller plays the Marlins. You're looking at the matchup, but you know Miller hasn't pitched since 2017, so I'm not so sure about that. Cole Hamels against the Padres is an okay kind of start. Verlander is obviously chalk. Uh, yeah, I'm probably going to go with Jamison Tyon tonight. You're going to go attack the Mets, huh? It sounds yeah. like that. In City Field, they have not necessarily been scoring. Remember, last week, they put up some runs, but they were in Coors Field. Uh, they did, didn't they score like seven runs yesterday, though, Scott? Uh, no, they scored four. Seemed like four? seven for them. They may have seen yeah. like seven. Or the seven was the amount of home runs they gave up in a record performance. Yes by the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, maybe they can get their offense on the schneid. I will tell you this, though. Um, could I – I mean, this is going to be a kind of crazy question. Should I consider picking up Oh, they up did Joey score Bats? seven. You're right. I'm sorry. I was right? Oh, okay. I thought it was an 8-7 final. Yeah. Um, would I be crazy to start keeping an eye on Joey Bats? It seems like he's heating up for the Mets. 
in a more competitive league, you might have missed that boat already. You know. Okay. I, I picked him up in Tout Wars last night. He was picked up in GST. I uh, lost in bidding out for him, especially if you play in a non-base percentage league. He's really showing some signs of driving the ball. He has been ever since he joined the team. You know, this guy's not with five o'clock hitter. A five o'clock hitter is a guy who rips batting it up practice. in batting practice and it does it in a game. You should still go to City Field early to watch Joey to watch Jose Batista take uh, batting practice because it's a show, and very often he's carrying it into the game. Yeah, I mean, listen, he seems to be a source of power for the New York Mets, and boy, can they use it. But Scotty still recommends attacking these Mets today in DFS with a guy like Jamison Tyone. Tyone, I also want to tell you guys, listen, okay, go on over to DailyRoto.com. You get, you know, you get basically everything you need there for DFS, okay? You want to win, listen to these guys. They make millionaires. We have Colin Drew. We have Mike Leone as well. But I also want to tell you, over at DailyRoto.com, you can see all the information for how we've been partnering with DKMS and their – Uh, supporting the help uh, in the fight against blood cancer. And check this out. You can go to a 2018 World Series game. Will the Mets be there? Nah, probably not. Will my Yankees be there? Nah, there's still a good chance of that. They got a shot. They got a shot. So if you want to maybe get tickets, you should check this out. Tune into the Fantasy Sports Radio Network between July 8th and July 17th. We are going to be playing the DKMS Trivia Challenge. Your shot to call in, you get a chance to attend the Fall Classic in person. The number to play, you already know, is 844-843-6879. The contest is sponsored by DKMS. Okay, we're going to be asking questions and maybe giving away two tickets to a World Series game. And also... You already know about DKMS. We talk about baseball all the time. Hitting 300 gets you to be an all-star. But a 300 rate, 30%, is just not going to cut it when patients can't find a matching donor in their families. That's why you got to go on over to DailyRoto.com slash DKMS and learn about how, not in the fantasy world, but in the real world, you can help people struggling with this disease. Okay, it is the DKMS Trivia Challenge. We're starting in a couple weeks, July 8th through 17th. You can call in and win my man Chris Bavona, the manimal, will take good care of you anytime you call. It's 844-843-6879. Bavona's also got our face of baseball semifinals off and running. When we come back, we take a look at some of the great content in the exclusive Edge package and get you started, get ready with the king for some fantasy football. It is Scott Angle and Dane Martinez. We'll be right back. It's Roto Experts in the morning right here on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Are you new to Daily Fantasy? Are you a veteran? Either way, you can better your chances of winning money and lots of it by going to DailyRoto.com. Multiple people have become millionaires thanks to the guys at Daily Roto. Why not take advice from the experts? You can become a millionaire too. Just go to DailyRoto.com to rock Daily Fantasy Sports. Welcome back. Roto experts in the morning right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Dane Martinez and the King, Scott Angle, getting you ready. Fantasy baseball, fantasy football. Scotty, it's like, would you want to be Bo Jackson 
or Brian Jordan or Deion Sanders as we do these two sports shows here, okay? What do you think in terms of the two sport athletes? Should I call you Brian Jordan, Deion Sanders, who, uh, Bo Jackson? Who do you want to be here as we talk baseball and football on an hour here in the morning? I'm going to just be Scott Engel. I cover both sports. Yeah, I know, but I'm trying to think about these two, two sport athletes. Yeah, but know? I don't want to be Bo because, you know, he got okay. injured. Right. I, I don't. I don't want to be Brian Jordan necessarily. Not okay. have anything against Brian Jordan, but <laughs> uh, and I certainly don't want to be Dion because he's an obnoxious front runner. Right. Okay. So maybe we'll take the best parts of all three, put them in a pot. I'm trying to think of like who else played baseball and football. You know that I Those really are the three liked. that like, came to my I, mind. I was never a Danny Ainge fan either. Right, right. But listen, also, we're not playing fantasy basketball as much, although we did talk a little bit about the draft. We talked a little bit about free agency. Listen, if you're getting yourself ready for fantasy baseball this week, check out this great article on rotoexperts.com by Brandon Williams, as usual, talking about the two-star pitchers, talking about waiver guys you can get in your lineup and on the hill, getting you guys really ready for that. Uh, Brandon Williams does great work over on Roto Experts for MLB Baseball. But listen, Scott, let's turn our attention a little bit to uh, football. And listen, if you are only starting now to think about, oh, snap, fantasy football, I got to start to read up, I got to start to learn up, boy, are we ready to help support you. First of all, the 2008 NFL Exclusive Edge Draft Package is off and running there on Roto Experts. Go on and get it, okay? One of the things that you have in there, Scott, is a great piece by Brandon Murchison, okay? Well, we're talking about kind of the rookies in uh, fantasy football for Dynasty League and Dynasty League rankings. So let's go into this a little bit because, honestly, Scott, if you haven't, you know, been paying attention. One of the things, you may know the players that are already in the league. You want to get a little bit of a thumbnail on some of the new talent, the new influx of talent that's going into the league. And the position I want to start here, Scotty, is at running back. Everybody knows about Saquon Barkley. But honestly, Scott, after Saquon Barkley, it's such, you know, when you think about rookie running backs, isn't it such a combination of not only the skill of the back, but the opportunity on that team, kind of your path to touches. You know, if you're in a situation, Situation Like, for example, Sony Michelle with the New England Patriots. We know that Patriots backfield is like whack-a-mole every single week. So that may not be a guy you like. Tell me a little bit, Scott, first of all, about just thinking about rookies in general and kind of like how they're fighting to get their snaps. And then do you agree with me on a guy like Sony Michelle not being a guy to look at because of that Patriots backfield is always a kind of crapshoot? Yeah, with Michelle, it's it's kind of a thing where uh, you know they like him as a guy who can not only uh, run well inside, but also maybe catch some wheel routes out of the backfield. But you, you know, it's a crowded backfield there, and I think any experienced fantasy player knows that Sony Michelle is going to be mired in some kind of committee as long as Bill Belichick is breathing. So I think as a rule, I avoid uh, I avoid the New England Patriots running backs. And I'd I'd rather have uh, you know, some of the other top rookie running backs on the board because I think there's real uncertainty. I think he's going to be a bit better football player than he is a fantasy player. So I'm I'm t- I'm taking uh, you know all those other rookie running backs ahead of him in a dynasty draft or or a yearly league draft. And by the way, I found your two sport athlete you could compare me to. Who's that? I thought it was so obvious. I'm actually ashamed of myself for not mentioning Russell Wilson. Yeah, but you know, Scotty, you're you're a pro 
at both sports. You reached the highest levels at both sports. And while Russell Wilson was very good at baseball and does some spring training action, he's not a major league baseball uh you know, he's he's a little he's a, he was in the minors, he got some spring training at bats, but I don't know if he was he wasn't, you know, at the major league level, Scotty. No, he played class A ball. That's what I'm saying. I'm I'm trying to give you more credit than that because you are a top-notch professional at both sports. But you talk about, Scotty, you talk about some of these rookie running backs, right? And listen, there are a couple that I think have a path to at least, you know, the lion's share of their timeshare, not even the committees. I'm talking about a couple places in Seattle and in Washington specifically. I'm very interested in Penny, your Seahawks, Scotty. I mean, listen, they went out and got this guy in the back end of the first round, and they see him potentially as a three-down back. And then Darius Geis with the Washington football team, listen, Samaj P. Ryan did not handle his opportunities that well. You're still going to have Chris Thompson as the PPR back, but Geis could be a very interesting early down runner could be outside of Saquon could be my choice to lead NFL rookie backs in in rushing at least tell me a little bit about Penny and Geist do you think those guys have a chance to be producers for you this year uh I think Geist certainly has the opportunity Penny certainly has the opportunity it's not as clear cut as Geist you know guys can go right to the top and obviously lasted to the third round because of some characters and injury concern. And when you look at a guy like Geis, he's so physical and he flattens defenders. But that's the problem with a guy like Geis. Could he turn out to be Chris Ivory, who has you know, showed us flashes of some terrific talent? But Ivory's problem is, is that when you get these guys who dish it out as well as they take it, they become injury prone because they're just so violent. That's the problem with Geis and why I probably wouldn't take him over Penny. You know, with Penny, he goes in, he has an opportunity, but he's going to have to earn it. I think a lot of people are forgetting that. Chris Carson is healthy, and he had a good mini camp. They're expecting him to be healthy. You know, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if early in the season you're seeing a combination of Carson and Penny because Carson played really, really well, but find a worse offensive line last year when he was healthy. He got that ankle injury, and he was done for the year. Carson's not getting out of the way necessarily. Uh, Penny is a guy, though, they feel they're so excited about and they feel he could be a three-down back. But if if both of these guys are playing well, it could hurt Penny's outlook. It's a something we're gonna have to look very look very closely at in camp. I think everybody's assuming that Penny is going to win the job outright. I don't know if it's that clear. Right, fair enough. A lot of the buzz out there is that Penny will kind of dominate this timeshare, right? And what you're saying is a little cause for pause there. Don't forget about Chris Carson. He's got to be earned. Well. He did perform well before getting banged up and missing the, uh, the end of the season. And so if he's back and healthy, you know, the kind of balance of power may be more of an even split than you're expecting him where you're drafting him. Is that what you mean, yes. Scott? Yes. Everything has to be earned under yep. Pete Carroll. If you remember, you know, they signed Matt, Matt Flynn the year that they drafted Russell Wilson. Right. And Matt Flynn didn't earn the starting job. Russell Wilson came out third out of pick out of nowhere. They, nobody knew who he was really in fantasy football in a lot of cases. And he took the job. You know, I've, I've seen Pete Carroll, you know, get rid of high draft picks before. You, you, have, to earn, you have to earn that in camp. I'm saying Penny should, but. And, of course, he'll have a roster spot and he'll challenge for the starting job. But we can't assume that he's going to be the number one back, you know, in in the opening game right away. 
Uh, Chris Carson is going to have something to say about that. Yeah, so keep it locked on that. We're hearing all sorts of buzz and hype around Penny as this potential three-down back, but he's going to have to earn it the same way as anyone else. Scotty, in general, I feel that running back is a position where rookies can come in and make an impact right away, even more so than most of the pass catchers, let's say. I believe on the other end of that spectrum is the tight end position. It's very rare to see a tight end really be a kind of big-time producer in their rookie season. I believe it's Twofold. One, because they have to learn an entirely new pro NFL blocking scheme and the whole route tree. And it's a lot for a young kid to handle. So I don't generally like rookie tight ends. I think Evan Ingram was sort of the exception last year, mostly because Odell Beckham went down, Sterling Shepard went down, Brandon Marshall went down. So the targets had to go to someone and he did well with his opportunity. But when I look at the rookie tight ends this year, you got Mike Gesicki at the top of the chart. Everybody, you know, thought that this guy had a potential to be a a matchup kind of nightmare. He wasn't a huge kind of pass catcher, a part of the offense at Penn State. They're expecting him to develop develop here in Miami. Do you think Gasicki can wind up being a tight end one in his rookie year? Or do you agree with me that it's very hard for tight ends to kind of uh, hit the ground running in the NFL level? Fantasy tight end one? No way. Uh, It'll surprise me if it happens. You look at the guy on film, he's dominant in terms of sides and catching radius, etc. And he fits a need for the Dolphins, but he already had a bumpy minicamp. So... Uh, I see no reason for optimism there. Uh, what's interesting is is that is that uh, is that the Ravens actually drafted two tight two. ends. Yeah, and I think a lot of people assuming that Hayden Hurst is going to be the guy that you should draft out of out of both of those. But uh, I don't you think like you can assume. Better? You, you like, I don't think you can assume anything. You know, because this other kid. Uh, Mark Andrews out of Oklahoma, he's uh, he's more of a natural pass catcher and not a blocker, whereas uh, Hayden Hurst is more of a t- tight end. And you, then you also have to keep an eye on, on Ian Thomas, especially in dynasty leagues. You know, they really like this kid. He's going to learn under Greg Olson. I think you've got to be looking at these at these guys more for dynasty formats than for anything. And yeah, I'm really not going to – I had a rookie draft last night, and I didn't take a single tight end. Uh, but one guy who wasn't drafted last night was Chris Herndon, the fourth out of Miami. He's a project, but the Jets really like him. That guy could end up being a sleeper. He could, except for the fact that he's already had a run-in with the law in the last month um, since being drafted. He's already been picked we'll up. right in on the Jets. Now. Yeah, I know. So we'll see about that. The one other – I agree with you, Scott. You know, I'm not picking I'm not picking rookie tight ends. I'm looking for the big second-year jump out of some other tight ends, if you want to know the truth. Guys like potentially Ricky Seals-Jones to make a jump. You never even know. Maybe a guy like George Kittle with Jimmy Jesus can make OJ a jump. OJ Howard. Yeah. So, so this is a good question. I was going to bring up O.J. Howard, Scott, because you talked about the Baltimore Ravens having two tight ends, right? I feel, or drafting two tight ends, I feel like it's very hard for an offense to support two tight ends. We haven't seen an offense, you know, support two tight ends for fantasy purposes, probably since the Patriots with Gronkowski and the Murderer, right? So other teams have tried to do that, and I don't know if the Ravens will be able to support two. I also wanted to ask you, what about in Philadelphia? They love this kid, Dallas Goddard. I 
saw a lot of hype around this kid coming out of the draft. And a lot of people, interestingly enough, made the comps of him to Zach Ertz. Well, he winds up in Philly kind of learning under Zach Ertz, but Zach Ertz only has a year or so left on his contract. Right now, it looks like he's going to be in that kind of Trey Burton role. Um, but do you think Goddard, and you, if you look at this in a long-term vein, if Ertz moves on, and, you know, Super Bowl champions have a issue paying all of their people, um, do you think Goddard could be a great kind of stash for a year from now? Yeah, he was probably the best tight end in the draft period, according to a lot of scouts. I think it hurt him to land in Philadelphia from the immediate perspective. But then again, you never know how the guy's going to uh, pan out in his rookie year. There are a lot of teams that will use two tight ends, but they won't use the second tight end consistently. Can, can teams support two fantasy tight ends? No. Can they support two tight ends in the regular flow of the game? Yes, we saw Trey Burton get involved. Sure. The Rams are trying to do it with uh, with Higby, you know, et cetera. Yeah, and the Colts have Jack Doyle and Everett, Eric Ebron. Everett, you know, Doyle and Ebron. Usually that second guy isn't consistent. I think Gerald Everett's probably going to be end up being better than Higby uh, for fantasy purposes. We'll wait and see whether Everett's going to take that step forward this year. He has flashed some big playability. But to your question, uh, Dallas Godale, probably not somebody I draft, but – somebody you have to have in top of your free agent watch list. If Zach Ertz, who, who gets injured frequently, goes down, go, Godard's going to go right in there and play a role. Yes, yeah, similar to the way that you saw Trey Burton flash a couple of times when Zach Ertz was down with injury. And Ertz has missed a few games every year, so it could be a guy to keep an eye on. We think he could, you know, similar to Trey Burton, be productive when he gets the you opportunity. you got to be careful, though, and you still got to remember it's a rookie tight end. Let's true. say if Zach Ertz gets hurt. You don't want to bid your whole house on a oh, no, free no, agent no. house on a rookie tight end. Because all of a sudden, he's thrust into a much bigger role that he may not be ready for. No, absolutely. We do always have the concern for the rookie tight ends. Real quick, looking at the rookie wide receivers. Listen, you know how, Scott, you just made the point, and I, I, I make this point all the time, that sometimes what's good for the real NFL team is not necessarily good for your fantasy team, right? You know, uh, I think, to be quite honest, I think – about how Matthew Stafford lost Calvin Johnson and then was able to kind of spread the ball around a little bit better, made Matthew Stafford a much better quarterback, but hurt you in fantasy with the Detroit Lions because you never knew who it would be that popped off. I bring this up because, Scotty, I think Calvin Ridley is going to be a much better contributor for the Atlanta Falcons than he will be for fantasy owners. I think he's going to play that Taylor Gabriel kind of role. He's going to be able to stretch the defense. He may be great in some best ball formats, but think about it. You already got Julio Jones there as a mouth to feed. Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman and Mohamed Sanu. I don't know that if you're expecting big things out of Calvin Ridley right away that you know, you're going to see that fantasy production. He may be a factor in some PPR formats, some best ball formats, but I think he's going to help the Falcons more than fantasy teams. Scott, what do you think? I think he is uh, you know, going to be a factor right away, hmm. but consistency will be an issue. Muhammad Sanu is not somebody that he has to be scared of depth chart-wise to pass. Muhammad Sanu last year didn't catch 70 balls. He was just over 700 yards. He scored five times. This will put Muhammad Sanu where he belongs, depth chart-wise, as a number three receiver. You think Ridley I, I, will outscore Sanu this year? Yes, I do. 
Uh, consistency will be an issue, though, I think. You know, you're going to have one, one, one week where he goes six for 125 and two touchdowns, and then the next week will go two for 17. I think he's going to be a big play threat, the likes that I haven't recalled recently on this in this Atlanta offense, you know, running it out and up and taking the top off the defense. Uh, just so that many what Gabriel years. Was doing? Very exciting, but a, a better a better play, just a better football player, more talented than Taylor Gabriel. Taylor Gabriel is a number four NFL fantasy wide receiver. This guy will be a way more consistent threat than Taylor Gabriel. You know, this is why he was drafted high and Taylor Gabriel was not. All right, fair enough. I actually would lean, I think ultimately when all is said and done, Sanu will have more fantasy points this year than Calvin Ridley, but they will be part of that offense. And then again, you never know when Julio Jones either gets banged up or doesn't sign his contract. We shall see. When you look at Why do you think receiver- Sanu would have more points than, than Ridley? Because I, I mentioned it. I think that Ridley is going to be better for the Falcons he'll be able to take the top off but what that does in the defense is more of a th- is more of a kind of a threat that you have to respect with your safeties than actually Sanu I think Sanu will catch I don't think Ridley I think Ridley gets 55 balls I think Ridley gets 650 yards and five touchdowns but I can still see Sanu as that possession receiver Matty Ryan already has that chemistry with him I see Sanu with um, you know 65 catches 700 yards say five touchdowns I would easily think Sanu I still think Sanu barring injury for them both will outscore Calvin Ridley and we could put By it up as one of our gentlemen. The you just gentlemen's laid out, though, it sounds, yeah. it sounds kind of close, though. Yeah, I think it's close. I could say it's close. I can see in PPR format Sanu getting around 175 points and Ridley at around 150 points. So I'm talking about a point or two a game. But yes, I would. If, you put my, if I had to put my money where my mouth is, I would take Muhammad. It's a new day over Calvin Ridley. But I think everyone's going to like I the nice Ridley, shiny new Ridley toy. I think Ridley has... has more upside than than Sanu. I would never associate that word with whatsoever. All right, so let's yeah. uh, maybe we make a little bit of bet. We got to start tracking our bets here for no, I don't bet. football. You know, season. if you're right, I tell you, Dane. You know, you were right. I was wrong. All I don't. Right, I'm not. A, I'm not a betting man. Well, well, Scott, I'm not necessarily trying to bet money. I'm trying to bet things like prop, props, and credibility and respect. Let's just do that then, okay, Scotty? All right. Fair, Fair enough. enough. Hey, let me ask you something. A lot of these, there's a couple of wide receivers that I think are in position to potentially, even more than Calvin Ridley, be a primary target for their team. I'm thinking about guys like Michael Gallup in Dallas because of no Des Bryant. I'm thinking about guys like Anthony Miller potentially in Chicago, the kid out of Memphis, right, who's going to be this kind of number two wide receiver opposite Allen Robinson. And I'm also thinking about DJ Moore in Carolina. This guy gives them something they haven't had in a while. I mean, Cam Newton has been throwing to a basketball front court for a while with Benjamin and Funches and Olsen. This guy is a little bit different. It seems like they're continuing their evolution of last year to try and get some guys that could be a little bit more shifty and be a little bit more dynamic. Remember last year getting Christian McCaffrey doubling down with Curtis Samuel. Out of Moore, Miller, or Gallup, and you could even throw Christian Kirk in there maybe, who do you think is in the best kind of position and fit-wise with their team and opportunity to make an immediate impact? Moore's very interesting in terms of being a PPR guy. And you, you can check out all the ranks in uh, Roto Experts Exclusive Edge Package right sure. now from uh, Brandon Murchison, award-winning fantasy writer. But, you know, this guy, this guy is really more of like a, like a, like a chain mover. But uh, the NFL comparisons to him have been like Stefan Diggs, where yeah. he can uh, 
where he can he can catch that short to intermediate ball yeah. and keep the chains moving, but also get downfield for a big play and and be after the catch. He he might have like one of the best all around skill sets, and I think I think with Cam Newton, accuracy has always been an issue, yeah. and he needs somebody. That's why they dependable. needed six five guys. <laughs> yeah, they need somebody that's dependable. They'll move the change. It's not just about the height and throwing jump balls, you know, to the tall guys that he has been, like Devin Funches. You know, you want a guy with good hands, a possession guy who can catch something and then move, you know, gain yards after the catch, which is one of his specialties. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. Remember, they also have Christian McCaffrey who's going to be able to do that big time out of the backfield as well. Scott, here's what we're going to do because we only have a couple minutes today. So what I want to do, Scotty, is tomorrow I want to dive into that rookie draft that you talked about and we kind of see a little bit more about, you know, when faced with some of these choices, what some of the experts, including yourself, literally did when they had to make that pick. So tomorrow, we're going to dive into a little bit more of this rookie conversation and the rookie draft that Scott Angle was a part of. But we only got a couple of minutes here, Scott, before we hit the top of the hour. So here's what I want to ask you. Listen, everyone loves Saquon Barkley. Right. Everyone thinks this guy is a generational talent. Now, in the last couple of years, teams have gone up in the top five to go ahead and get running backs. That was not the case recently, but we've seen the pattern with Ezekiel Elliott, with Leonard Fournette, and now with Saquon Barkley and the New York football giants. Scott, is Barkley a top five fantasy pick this year? I'd say probably falls right outside that top five. Okay. Uh, probably maybe about six or or seven for me. Uh he is a rookie. He's he's more versatile than Ezekiel Elliott, but you know, what if Ezekiel Elliott starts catching passes this year? Uh you know, then what is his ceiling? You know, uh Matt Modica also talks about that in the exclusive edge uh fantasy football package and his running with the Bulls article is very, very comprehensive breakdown of running backs. So you got you gotta look at the more established guys, Gurley, Bell, Elliott, David Johnson I mm-hmm. think the earliest you could prob, and then you, you, you probably got to put Antonio Brown fifth. So I said sure. I'll probably not take him earlier than say six overall. But do you want to take him ahead of Kareem Hunt? You know, it's after what Kareem Hunt did last year and right. what he was proven. But he was a rookie last year. So are you uh, taking him over Alvin Kamara? I'd have to say so, uh, but it's real close, right? It, it's I don't I don't know because. Barkley's more of a pure runner. As much as I love Kamara, you know, once Ingram's there, he's he's going to be sharing it. Just right. like 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 Matt Modica says in the exclusive edge package and running with the Bulls, you know, volume is king, and yeah. you know, Saquon Barkley is is going to be king. By the way, pro comparison for Calvin Ridley, Greg Jennings by NFL.com. Okay, fair enough. That's good to know. The one thing about Saquon, and listen, I love him. He's also, listen, he's from the Bronx, so you know I got to love Saquon Barkley. His uncle was actually former WBO middleweight champion of the world, Irad Barkley, so you know he's got some good genes there. The one concern I have with Saquon is he, you know, sometimes you just got to take the three yards and be happy with it. 
that it's blocked for, you know? And at Penn State, there were some times where he could have just taken the three yards, but then tried to do something amazing with it. And at the college level, you can do that, and he's going to pop off big, long runs. At the NFL level, a lot of times, those are going to turn into negative one-yard gains, you know? Yeah. And he's going to get stuffed. And it's not like the Giants, although they did get Nate Solder in free agency. They like the kid Will Hernandez they drafted. But we know the Giants do not have a, you know, top offensive line. I'm a little no. bit worried that Barkley will have those kind of things and try to make too much when it's not there, a la Shady McCoy. And, and, and is that any concern for you around Saquon? Well, I don't know if there's ever concern with Shady McCoy, but, you know, this is about making the jump to the NFL level. And, you know, it's about, it's about vision and patience and knowing when to hit to the hole. And this is about coaching. You know, Craig Johnson, the running backs coach for, uh, you know, for the Giants, is going to have a nice project in five years to work with. This is about coaching and adjusting to the NFL level. And even if it happens early, I don't think it's going to last for too long. Okay, so I'm just – you listen, everyone knows Saquon Barkley, a first-round pick. Everyone thinks he's a stud. I'm just trying to find something, Scott, you know, that he still has to work on, and maybe it is that. Sometimes three yards As in a, a cloud jet of fan, dust your is actually your need. That's absolutely right, Scotty. Yes. But – Here's what we're going to do. Tomorrow, <laughs> we'll look maybe a little bit more at these rookies. You know, we didn't talk about the quarterbacks just yet. And then we will dive in to this rookie draft that you did. I'll tell everybody right now, though, interesting. You took a, a, a scatty back out of Indianapolis with your first round pick in this rookie draft. Huh, Scott? Yeah, I took Nakeem Hines because yeah. uh, the first eight picks were running backs. He was the top one left on the board. And anytime, like Mike Leone talks about this in the exclusive edge package, anytime you draft in a pass catching back, yeah. you know, you're giving yourself a chance. Absolutely. We'll get into that a little bit more. It is football season, baby. Are you ready? We're definitely ready here at Roto Experts in the morning. It's Spitting Statistician and the King. I got the all in kid, Jake Seeley, coming up next. It's Roto Experts in the morning. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You are now tuned in to the Roto Experts. Welcome back to Roto Experts in the morning. Right here on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I'm your host, Dane Martinez. They call me the spitting statistician, and we, as always, are joined by my man, one of the best top rankers in the industry, the all-in kid, Jake Seeley. Hey, Jake, how was your weekend, brother man? Oh, as good as always. How about you? Hanging in there, doing all right. I was, you know, immersed in soccer, and then I went and saw a little bit of uh, the hometown team here, NYCFC. They play in uh, Yankee Stadium, so I then play against Toronto on a nice summer afternoon yesterday, so it was good. It was fun. Uh, hanging in there, getting ready for fantasy football. The exclusive edge package dropped on Friday. What, Jake? Like 30 articles, 30 plus articles, rankings, mock drafts, you know, customized tiers, all sorts of good stuff. People need to get on that right now. And you, that's where you actually share some of your bold predictions, right, Jake? Yeah, this is where you can get them. 
That's where you can get them because he's certainly not going to share them with you here from 8 to 9 a.m. on Roto Experts in the Morning. Before we dive into our team preview today, Jake, we got a lot to do. We're going to do a team preview. We're going to talk about the Dirty Birds, the Atlanta Falcons. Remember, we also had that FSTA draft. We looked at our guy Nando DeFino's team late last week. I think we're going to look at a couple of teams later on today, Mike Clay um, and others that started going wide out, wide out, wide out, and we'll kind of analyze the implications of taking that strategy at the top of the draft. Uh, you know, we can also take a look at the MVP odds as well. A lot to get through. But uh, two pieces of news real quick that I wanted to ask you about. One, and Jake, you know, offensive line is not fancy. It's not nice. It's not people things that people care about too much. But when you have an all-pro offensive lineman for one of the top teams that you're, uh, excuse me, one of the top offensive lines, I think it's interesting to note. Um, I'm talking about Jack Conklin. Over in Tennessee, he had an ACL um, issue. He's coming back from that. But they're saying that his status for week one is up in the air. Jake, I want to go two ways on this, okay? First, does that have any impact for you on these Tennessee Titans, on their rushing game, guys like the Derrick Henrys and the Deion Lewis, if they are without one of their studs at tackle? They obviously have Taylor Lewan on the other side. But the other thing I want to ask you about, Jake, is – these guys with their ACL, he's on a similar timeline to a guy that I know you you like a lot, and that's Carson Wentz. These guys had their procedures like, you know, only a few weeks apart from each other, and we're seeing Carson Wentz, you know, throwing balls, working out, stuff like that, and Conklin is now up in the air. I realize that everybody heals differently, but, you know, what do you think about these ACL injuries and these comebacks? Will both of these guys be ready, and does this have any impact on the Titans? I honestly have no idea when it comes to Conklin. I haven't seen him on the field. I haven't seen any practice reports, at least with Carson Wentz. They were seeing it on the field and stuff like that. So, I mean, that's why I feel good about Carson Wentz. I I, I couldn't tell you. I have no idea about Conklin. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's weird that these guys are on similar uh, schedules, or at least should be because they had their surgeries at the same time. They're playing two different positions. Still, but, you know, I mean, they can't all be Adrian Peterson, who as a robo, who, as RoboCop gets back so quickly, you know. I think he almost uh, kind of changed the narrative for players, you know, in terms of what the reasonable expectation. This injury used to be a 12-plus month injury, you know, and then Peterson comes back in 9 or 10, and all of a sudden that changes the expectation. Robert Griffin III had a huge Adidas slogan and campaign to try to do the same thing. Um, I'm just saying that it's not... You know, it's not a guarantee that these guys come back, even though at this point of the year, Jake, everyone's in the best shape of their life. Everyone's rehab is going well. I'm just saying this gives me cause for pause to see examples where, you know, we don't necessarily know. And I translate this. Honestly, I extrapolate it out to some others. I wouldn't be as positive that Wentz will be there in week one, despite seeing the little Instagram workout videos, Jake. I think it's two different players completely. I don't think you can compare one person to another and say one has anything to do with the other person. Even if it's the same injury? No, because it's two different people. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough, Jake. Before we get into the Falcons, before we get into the Falcons, I know, I already know what you're going to say on this, but on Friday, before we came off air, there was this report out of the Cleveland running back uh, coach that they're going to go with the quote-unquote hot hand. I'm not even bringing up names, Jake, because we all know which names you like. We all know which names I like. My question is simply this, Jake. We know about the rookie kind of timeline. You, you kind of uh, tell us that all the time, that there's the buzz for the rookie 
and then like who holds him off and the talent winds up winning out. We know about that cycle. I'm not even talking about the names of the guys, Jake. All I'm asking you is on the continuum of workhorse to committee, does hearing things out of the running back coach saying that we're going to ride the hot hand, that sort of thing, does that make you more likely to think that that team is going to be a committee than some kind of more workhorse or workload or even timeshare, regardless of the team, regardless of the players? Or are you just casting aside and throwing out all of the kind of news and notes buzz that you hear at this point? Does this make you worry that the team will have more of a committee approach hearing it from the running backs coach? No, because it's June. Again, it's June. I, we're gonna, I'll just, you can stop asking the question because it's June. It's, it means nothing. It's just like you're, you, you, know, you don't want to pay attention to everybody's in the best shape of your life. And I don't give two farts about people's what the timeshares are going to be and stuff like that. It's June. Okay. All right. But, you know, Jake, I got to fill an hour for you. And with these, as these news break, we got to share, share it with the people. Over you know, you can ask. I'm just I'm giving you a heads up that every single time it's going to be the same answer. I don't care. I it's June. If you heard the disclaimer to me asking the question, I was like, I know what you're going to say, but I got to ask it anyway. So thanks, though, Jake, for being as predictable as you usually are. I appreciate it. You are my good friend here. Let's move on over to the Atlanta Falcons then. We're moving over to a a different uh, division here. We're going to do a little bit of NFC South uh, this week, and we start with the Dirty Birds down there at the Atlanta Falcons. Jake, I got to tell you something. Add Matt Ryan to the list. Add Matt Ryan to the list of quarterbacks that I will be happy to wait on and have fall to me, uh, you know, as the 11th or 12th or 13th quarterback drafted. People go on over and get the exclusive edge package that Jake Seeley put out, you know, his rankings. You could officially hashtag check the link. I'm not positive exactly where you have him, Jake, but I mean, if you could add Matt, uh, Matt Ryan to the Matt Stafford, Philip Rivers kind of group, for me, Patty Mahomes is in there as well, that if I can wait and I know I can get one or two of these guys, that works for me. Do you see Matty Ryan profile in a similar way, Jake? Not, I would definitely, I would easily take Matthew Stafford, and Philip Rivers over him every single time. Uh, this time okay. a question. I don't. I don't understand why everybody's jumping all over Matt Ryan. And I'm one of the people who's saying, you know, they got They went from the this unsustainable touchdown rate they had the year before to the complete opposite last season. But this isn't the first time. I mean, honestly, I guess you could, if you like to play, have fun with numbers that mean nothing. You could say, hey, Matt Ryan's kind of like the San Francisco Giants of baseball is, you know, the even years he puts up better numbers right. because that's true. Well, no, if you look at 2012 was over 300 yards. Next year, he dropped off by 50 fantasy points. 2014, it was back up at 300, drops off by 50. 2016, 350, drops off by 100. And then so it's 2018. So, again, if you want to have fun with numbers that mean nothing, I guess you could say Matt Ryan should be back to 300 fantasy points this year, which would put him back in that conversation. But I'm taking Stafford and Phillip Rivers every single time over him because they're consistently inside the top 10 every single year. Nobody pays attention to them. I, I think Matt Ryan will obviously rebound. I don't know that he rebounds enough to get back to their name, though. I, I don't think he necessarily needs to for this team. Fair enough, but I mean – I still, I still believe that uh, – maybe not comparing him to Stafford and Rivers. Yes, I agree with you. I would rather have both of them. But I'm saying this more that like he is another example of a quarterback that can just fall to me that I think can be – you can still be competitive with Matt Ryan as your quarterback, no? I would not want Matt Ryan as my only quarterback, no. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Maybe if you're going to draft two, that's fine, but I'm right. not drafting Matt Ryan as my only quarterback. 
Okay, but in this, so then in this situation, let's say you wind up with Rivers and Ryan. That's very viable seeing the way I think I'm seeing Matt Ryan ranked as like 14, 15, 16. So you could wind up with a Stafford and a Ryan. You could wind up with a Rivers and a Ryan. And you got to figure on a week to week basis, then you're feeling good about your quarterback position if you have both of them. Well, me personally, I'm drafting Stafford or Rivers. I'm not drafting a second quarterback. When I start drafting a second really? quarterback, when you start talking about Roethlisberger and Alex Smith and taking a flyer on Pat Mahomes or Garoppolo, then I'll take okay. a Matt Ryan. But I'm not taking a I'm not taking Matthew Stafford in a second quarterback. I see. So you're waiting on your first, your quarterback one, and then you're waiting again, right, uh, to get to your quarterback two in the I don't know the 17 to 20 kind of range because you're comfortable there. No, I don't know. What I'm saying is I'm not taking a second quarterback. I'm not At taking all. a second. No, I'm not. Unless I uh, the only way I'm doing it is if I take a flyer on like a Mahomes or a Garoppolo I who see. have a lot of risk in bed. And I'm not I'm generally not spending that price to get them. But if they happen right. to fall to me in the draft, like if Mahomes, she's not going to. But if Mahomes is there in like the 11th round. And I would say, yeah, all right, I'll take the upside of Mahomes. I'm pairing him with somebody safe. And at that mm. point. Stafford and Rivers are most likely gone, so I will t- pair Mahomes with a Matt Ryan. I'll pair Mahomes with an Alex see. Smith. I see. So if you are in that boat where you need to get that second one, but if you get if you wind up with your first quarterback being the Stafford, that Rivers level that we've talked about before, then you're completely fine riding. Honestly, one in a twelve team league, yeah, there should be it doesn't matter, one right? Team. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I was gonna say there should be one team drafting two quarterbacks. That's it. The team that takes Patrick Mahomes. Right, because everybody else, there's going to be quarterbacks out there. You know, Matt Ryan might be out there on the waiver wire for you still. You know, and, right. and so if you have that, if you have I, those I kind you, of oh, options oh, oh, sitting okay. there. I'll give you two teams, the team that drafts Andrew Luck, too. I forgot about There you, you go. Know, you, 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 get, <laughs> you, you need go. an insurance policy for him. But uh, the other 10 quarterbacks, Jameis. I mean, you got. Jameis? No, he's not draftable now. He's not. Okay. Their bye week is week four. You're not drafting Jameis Winston now. You don't get the point. You don't get to use him until week five. Are you picking up Jameis Winston like a or week, week early? Or week five though? is their bye. Yeah, yeah. Are you, I know that he's suspended for the three, what we think. And they have Plays an early bye, but it's week five. Then, it's week five. Yeah, week are you five. getting ahead of it, though? Are you picking up Jameis Winston like after week two to try to stash him? If I have room. Okay, so that's a viable idea. All right, so we talk about Matty Ryan, the 2000, what was it, two years removed now from his MVP season, 28 to 3 and the whole nine there. And I agree with you, Jake, because listen, I have been for years, for years, I said that Matt Ryan was the kind of guy who like starts off hot in the first like six or seven seasons and excuse me, first six or seven weeks and then defecates the mattress. And he proved me wrong that one year that he did win the MVP and the Falcons went to the Super Bowl. But generally, Generally speaking, Jake, doesn't he get off to kind of like hot starts and then tails off a little bit? Mm, I don't know. You can't ask me a question like that without having the information. <laughs> ah, come on, Jake. You, you almost, I feel like you are so swimming in this information all the time. And are just I don't such know a if people get hot starts or not off the top of my head. Really? All right. Well, listen, then I'm overestimating you, Jake. I apologize. You are a mere mortal. I thought you were this kind of superhuman creature that was able to access this kind of information at a moment's notice. But you are, you're actually human like the rest of us. So I digress and I'll reshape my expectations. It's all good. Jake, when we go to the wide receiver room, okay, me and Scott had an interesting conversation. We were talking about some of the rookies um, and, you know, Calvin Ridley obviously came up. Do you think Calvin Ridley this year in fantasy purposes, can please compare him vis-a-vis Mohamed Sanu. Mohamed Sanu, this kind of like, you know, 
he's not like a nondescript receiver, but will have some weeks, can be kind of a, a stable, maybe like flex wide receiver four kind of guy for you. Um, do you think Ridley, not necessarily for the Atlanta Falcons, but for fantasy purposes, does he surpass Sanu this year? Do you, If you're staring with both of them in the face, is it close for you? Or do you think one of them is a, a dramatically easier pick than the other? Well, they're not the same receiver, so it's two different things. Sure. It's the fact that Mohamed Sanu and Calvin Ridley don't – they're not identical. They're actually not even very similar. So Calvin Ridley should win the outside and just push Sanu to the slot where he could probably succeed and do even more than he was doing before. It'll just depend on how quickly Ridley assimilates to the NFL. And, in fact, if Ryan has a chemistry with him, he's the more talented wide receiver and should see more opportunity. If you're talking about fantasy at the end of the year, should finish with more yards, touchdowns, and fantasy points than Sanu. But, again, Sanu could have a lot more success working out of the slot where his skills translate a little bit better. So you could have all three on the field. I'm not really worried about drafting either one of them because it'll probably be frustrating from week in and week out because you're also dealing with that backfield. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of mouth to feed there. Devontae Freeman, who you and I, we've talked about it last week. We both like Devontae Freeman. We think um, there's some drafts, even the ones that we looked at, where he was going kind of underdrafted. Um, but I, you make a great point. Let's talk a little bit more about this in terms of how they are, in fact, different, Jake. You know, I talk about early American history, the XYZ affair. You have Julio Jones there. And correct me if I'm wrong, but early on, at least... Uh, Calvin Ridley is going to kind of play this Taylor Gabriel role. He's going to do more of the stretching down the field, more of the quote-unquote over-the-top. And as you said, that allows Sanu to kind of move inside to the slot and be that kind of chain mover that already has chemistry with Matt Ryan. So could it be a kind of thing, you know, not as dramatic, but when we looked at the Josh Gordon and the Jarvis Landry, but could you see Sanu as more this kind of possession receiver who will have more catches than, say, Ridley, but Ridley will have the yards and touchdowns because he's stretching the field? Is that the way you see it breaking down? It could certainly happen. It's just like I said, it's all going to depend on how quickly Ridley gets acclimated to the NFL. And how quickly do you think that's going to happen? What do you mean? Do you like it? To, I mean, some wide receivers, we don't think that's going to answer the question. How many, how many times do you want to ask me the question? Just one more, Jake. Just one more. You think he will be able to hit the ground running under the tutelage of Julio Jones and Sarkeesian and all that? Some wide receivers you might think are going to be a bust. Like, for example, maybe Christian Kirk will not find his role as quickly as Calvin Ridley. Maybe DJ Moore will not find his role or will get, you know, hidden with the Greg Olsons and the Funchesses and McCaffreys out of the backfield, you know. But will the same thing happen to Ridley? What we do is spec project, extrapolate out. This is our business, Jake. I'm just asking you to do it specifically with Calvin Ridley. You're just asking me to do it for the third time. I think Calvin Ridley will be just as valuable as Mohamed Sanu, but I'm not drafting either because it'll be frustrating from week to week. That's it. All right. That's the end of All it. Right. That's the end. Fair enough. That is the end. That is the end. Let's move on over to these running backs, Jake. You know how high we are already on Devontae Freeman. We think he is out going to, you know, we, you... um. Which draft was it? Was it the football diehards draft, I guess, where you saw him going as like the 15th running back taken as an RB2 in the third round? Exactly. Um, We both thought that that was way too late. Give me a little bit more about why we expect Devontae Freeman maybe to outperform at least what we saw in that draft. Well, that that was just stupid as we talked about the fact that he's (laughs) a Well, he's a fringe RB1, and you're going to wait. It wasn't even so more the fact that the middle of the third round is the names that went in front of him. 
But Devontae Freeman's been an RB1 every single year. Devontae Freeman was putting up RB1 numbers last year. Despite the fact that he only played 13 games, he was a fringe RB1. And it's more the fact that Devontae Freeman's Devontae Freeman, as long as he's on the field for 16 games, actually, as long as he's on the field, you're going to have RB1 production for that time. It's just whether or not he stays on the field because of the concussions. And the team has already tried to get him to run differently, but he doesn't seem to want to. So that's obviously the concern you have to put in when you're drafting Devontae Freeman. But that's not going to stop him, at least while he's on the field, from putting up RB1 numbers. Okay, so then listen, you know, I guess two years ago, maybe there was there were people that were also having Tevin Coleman, right, as a week in week out kind of like flex play, let's say, you know, it wasn't quite at the level of last year having Ingram and Kamara both inside the top 10. But listen, what's the percent chance for you, Jake, that Coleman is also kind of a viable flex for you and and, and that you can start him week to week as well, because this Atlanta Falcons offense should produce some yards and some scores and some points. I mean, are you okay with Tevin Coleman as a week to week starter as well? No, not even a question. No, not at no. all. He's not a I'm flex. Never gonna, no, I'm never. I will, I, if you want it to be, if you win a lot of wide receivers, I, you asked me. You can't ask two different questions. You said, "Are you comfortable?" You said, "Are he's not a flex?" That's two different questions. That's not the same thing. Right, I'm not starting. I'm not starting any running back that's the second half of a timeshare. That's, that's how you lose fantasy football because you're going to get the weeks where he scores two points because he gets left out of the mix. Okay. Now, now the second question. The second question is do you see him as a flex? I just I said he could be if you went wide receiver heavy, but I'm not doing that. No. I mean, I guess here's, here's the other way I'll attack it with you, Jake. You talk about the injuries, the last uh, with, with Freeman, and the injuries with Freeman are the head, right? The concussions. The last time we talked about this, um, you mentioned that you were a little bit more concerned about Freeman than some of the other running backs at that level that are have had injury concerns in the past. Let's use Leonard Fournette as an example, let's say. You were more concerned about the Freeman injuries because it was the kind of head trauma, it was the concussions. When you're at this level of the draft, right, and you're looking at, you know, kind of these these back-end RB1s, these high-end RB2s. Um, why is it that head injuries give you more of a concern than, you know, ligaments, tendons, knees, ankles, things of that nature? Same thing we said last week, because once you get one, it's, it's supremely easier to get a second. It's just science. You get a concussion, it's very likely you're going to get another one. That's just how it is. And, okay. Listen, Jake is red hot this morning. So, but you are, I mean, listen, Jake, in my first round, you know, and with what my RB1, I want something as safe as possible. You know, I want that guy that I'm going to put in week in, week out, not have to worry about it. I know if I have Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, Todd Gurley, Zeke Elliott, you know, Barkley and the like, whatever, I'm going to have that week-to-week advantage at RB1. But when I'm looking at these other guys, you know, the Gordons, the Hunts, the, the Fournettes, the Kamaras, the Barkleys, um... The Cooks, I know you love Cook. I know Freeman is below that, but in that next tier, are there? who are those guys in that tier that you think are more uh, health-wise safer than Freeman? Like, let's say you're a manager like me, and in that spot, you are looking for what is safe, uh, the, the best floor kind of idea, and you see Freeman, and you're a little bit concerned like you are with the potential reoccurrence of getting dinged up. Who are some of those running backs that are at that level that might be a little bit, quote-unquote, safer because they don't have that kind of uh, injury history, especially between the ears? 
Go check the package. You're trying to give me my. You're trying to get the rankings without like doing it. Is this no. your coy way of finding out what the rankings are? Is this how no, I have the it? rankings up. I have the rankings up. I can see them, but I'm asking you generally in terms of when you are at that part of the draft. If you are looking for a safer bet and looking for health, who are some of those guys that maybe even could be slightly below Freeman? But given the health concerns, if you want to be yeah, safe like I said, in the you're, first you're second to, round, you're, you're trying to get the secret rankings for everybody. No, I'm staring at it, brother man. So I have the secret rankings mostly because you were very helpful. I said for everybody. You're not even listening. You're not even listening to it. I said for everybody. You're trying to get me to reveal not on air. Not yeah. all of them. So what basically do you want to talk everybody, about? Every, everybody, 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 everybody around him. Yeah, Jordan Howard, obviously. Everybody around him. Lashawn McCoy. You can keep going down the list. Nobody, nobody has concussion issues around Devontae Freeman. But McCoy has other injury issues. You no, know, McCoy. Look at his, look at his career. Okay, fine. What about Leonard Fournette? What about Dalvin Cook coming back from what people think is an injury? Dr. A said that he was a little bit worried about Dalvin Cook. You clearly are not. What is the difference between those potential injury concerns for you? One year versus a career of concussions. And again, you just, this is going back to, I said, concussions versus injuries are different. Right, but everybody who listens, Jake, on say Thursday is not necessarily. No, I just answered you a minute ago. Is what I'm saying. I just said that with the concussions. If you say so, Jake. All right. Is there anywhere else here you'd like to go with the Atlanta Falcons? We talked about where Ryan should sit. We talked about this running back room. We talked about Sanu vis-a-vis Ridley. I don't think you like Austin Hooper as a as a guy that could be, you know, kind of pushing in this vein, or do you? Um, so are there any other things that you think are interesting here to note for the Atlanta Falcons? No, you pretty much covered everybody. No, Austin Hooper's... If you draft two tight ends, which I'm not doing myself, I don't know why you'd want to. No, I personally am not either because why would I invest in that when the goes, those guys at the level, at that level, I can wait and see which one pops and just be ahead of the curve and pick them up on the waiver wire if I need. Jake, the over-under for the Atlanta Falcons over on mybookie.ag. If you go on over there, the Atlanta Falcons have an over-under of nine. Jake, which means, uh, you know, if you bet the under, they would have to go double digits. I think that's a good line, though, Jake. I'm not touching this one, okay, because I could see them finishing 9-7. and seven. I could also take them seeing a, take a slight step back. I could see them winning double digits. I'm going to pass on this over-under of 9. Do you agree with that one, Jake? Yeah, I'd probably do, this, or I'd probably, I'd do the same thing. There's no way I'm betting on a 9. Yeah, Maybe okay, it was, fair enough. It was nine and a half, I feel better about it, but no, still, because then I would go under, but I, I'm not betting nine. Okay, so we would pass on this as well. Listen up, Jake. Their schedule sets up, you know, you didn't have the information right there at your fingertips, but their schedule sets up for maybe Matt Ryan to have another strong start, but then tail off at the end. They have a three-game home streak earlier on in their season. I mean, Jake, five of their first seven games, their bye is week eight. Five of their first seven games. I know you're not a huge schedule guy, but I'm talking just home or away. They seem to play well in that dome. Five of their first seven are at home. They have trips to uh, Pennsylvania for both the Eagles and the Steelers. But that then means that they got a lot of road games in December. I mean, they go to Green Bay. uh, They go to Cleveland. They go to Washington. You know, not too many 
uh, cold weather cities, shall we say. But I can see another thing, uh, this being another season where the Falcons start hot and then struggle or limp to the finish line. But uh, you, don't, you don't seem to care about those, uh, that strength of schedule, huh? No, not strength of schedule, no. Do you worry about these home aways, these streaks? Like three straight home games early in the season, I think is interesting. They're the sacrificial lamb for the Eagles on that early Thursday night football, the season opener, when the, when the Eagles raise their banner. But then they get the mini buy right after that, and they get a three-game home stretch against uh, Carolina, Cincy, and New Orleans. Uh, could be a little bit of a hot start for them. And the back end of their schedules where they have their hard games, the road trip to the Dome in New Orleans. They finish with two road games in the division at Carolina at Tampa. Do you see even do you see potentially a hot start off of that schedule? Yeah, well the home road should always help. I mean you can look at the schedule and say what you can assume. I'm just my point again is I'm not gonna do it when it comes to fantasy and I'm not gonna put any value in what players are gonna do based on the schedule looking at a piece of paper. Fair enough. I, and I hear, and teams change every year. I mean, the NFC South was a division where I think literally the team in like last place was in first place, um, kind of for like three or four years in a row. So I hear that. I, I understand that teams get better and worse. I do like to look at things like home road splits, especially teams that are based in the South up there in November and December when I see that they have to go to Lambeau Field or some other teams up north. Those are things that bother me a little bit, regardless, let's say, of the uh you know the strength of schedule because teams do change every single year but their over under jake is nine wins both jake seeley and the spitting statisticians say that's actually a pretty good line we're not going to stay one way or the other but if you think strongly on the atlanta falcons go on over to mybookie.ag they got the props builder tool enter the promo code fantasy f-n-t-s-y and you will get a 50 percent deposit bonus jake you know i'm also sad because of this i'm not going to be able to hear you giving me uh world cup updates anymore the games start a little bit later now that we're in uh the final one of the group stage and then into the knockout stage so i'm not going to get your updates much anymore croatia and belgium still doing work for me um are you also sad about that jake no not at all really Oh, I know you were sad that you didn't see Maria Marino as much. I saw her join the show on Friday. She was not at our bowling extravaganza. She's got to make it up to us. We got to make it up to you here on Roto Experts in the morning. When we come back, here's what we're going to do. We are going to dive into this FSTA draft that we saw. Um, we saw Nando DeFino's team already. We're going to break down some other teams and see the impact of going heavy at wide receiver at the start of the draft. We also got some odds for NFL and VP, all that and more when we come back. Roto experts in the morning. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. It is Roto Experts in the Morning right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Jake, 
We, uh, we're going deep into football now. A lot of people starting to get excited. I'm getting my fantasy football questions on Twitter. But we are also going to finish off our face of baseball brackets this week. We're into the semifinals, Jake. We got the three seed Jose Altuve and the two seed Aaron Judge. Altuve's got it big right now. Um, are you going to be lobbying for the Yankees or you think Altuve's going to run away with this? No, I mean, this is another one. I'm surprised, though, with this judge beating out Chris Bryant was stupid to begin with, and now he's losing this much to Altuve. Like, people make no sense. <laughs> Fair enough. You know, and I know you do know because uh, Greg Sussman told me you responded to him via text right after. I did go on BFFs on Friday and trying to see if they would be okay to be a three-person tribunal if, in fact, we ever had a 50-50 tie. I don't think we will, but that one was very close. It was 51-49. The judge advanced, but now he's getting killed by Jose Altuve. Um, I tried to move the needle no with sense. these Yankees, but... I don't know. Who do you think is going to win this ultimately? Let's get a prediction out of you, though, Jake. You know, we got Altuve and Judge in one semi. We got Harper and Trout in the other. You know, when the week ends and we all go on off for the Independence Day kind of holiday or whatever it is, who do you think Roto Experts in the morning is going to crown as the face of baseball? It should be is Trout. It'll probably end up being Harper because more people recognize Harper because East Coast bias and all that stuff. All right, so not who it should be, but you think the ultimate winner will be Bryce Harper. You think it should be Mike Trout, but that ultimately we will be crowning as a show. We'll be crowning Bryce, Har- uh, Bryce Harper as the face of baseball. Let's keep it moving here, Jake. We got this uh, draft that we were talking about. Listen, last year, uh, excuse me, last week, the FSTA had their conference up there in Minnesota. Our guy, Nando Defino went up there. They did a draft, and apparently he was using some of your cheat sheet, but then strayed a little bit away from it. He's going to have to make, he's going to have to do something now at quarterback because he drafted Jameis Winston in the 10th round, doesn't have another quarterback. So he's uh, at a disadvantage for the first few weeks. We acknowledge that. I want to zoom in, though, Jake, today on two teams that went heavy wide receiver um, early on. You know, we talked about defining the zero RB strategy, and I think you mentioned it as kind of like rounds five and below, getting your first running back. Mike Clay did just that. He goes wide out, wide out, wide out, and then gets Zach Ertz in round four. He winds up with with three running backs here right after that, you know, rounds five, six, and seven. He winds up with Marshawn Lynch, Duke Johnson and Carry On Johnson as his three running backs. Jake, I know you're not a huge fan of this, but look, he's got a position of strength in wide receiver. He goes Julio, Keenan Allen. He's got Stefan. Can you dig it as his third wide receiver? So that's really strong. When you put that on one side of the scale and you balance it out with going Marshawn Lynch and Duke Johnson week to week, is that okay with you? His advantage at wide receiver versus where he is at running back? Or uh, does this not work for you, Jake? No, it doesn't work for me at all because everything you gain in wide receiver, you lose in running back. Now Marshawn Lynch, ne- Marshawn Lynch needs to be the lead of that backfield and not everything that concerns is splitting with Doug Martin. What if Doug Martin leads that back because John Gruden's insane? What if Duke Johnson is just Duke Johnson, but a lesser version of Duke Johnson because now you have a backfield with three running backs in the mix. So the fact is, is you're putting a lot of weight where it's always what I said is you're you're increasing your risk. You, know, you can come out with any strategy of any draft. It's just some are going to be inherently more risky, and that's what this is. To be honest with you, I don't even hate necessarily the fact of the wide receivers. What I hate on the fact, and I love Mike Clay, 
is the Zach Ertz pick because you still had hmm. Darius Geis on the board. You still had, if you don't like Darius Geis, you still had Royce Freeman who will lead that backfield. Mark Ingram, if you can deal with that. Like, if you want to take Mark Ingram and then Marshawn Lynch and Duke Johnson, is like, all right, I just need to survive those first four weeks. I'd at least be okay with that. Even Jay Ajayi, and I'm not a huge Ajayi person. I am a huge Rashad Penny fan, and I can't believe Rashad Penny went almost at the end of the round four. So the fact is, what I don't like is I don't mind the three. My problem is what happened at four. Like, when you went with Zach Ertz, that's what killed it. Okay, because then, even if you're going to go with this kind of wide receiver uh, strength, and you clearly do if you have Stephon Diggs as your wide receiver three, you know you need to do something at running back. So then it was at round four where you had an opportunity. You know, you could have wound up getting, you know, a Darius Geis, a Mark Ingram, a Jay Ajayi, and that would be working much better for you than Marshawn Lynch. Let's say this, though, Jake. Let's say... You know, you don't do this. Let's say the opportunity was instead to go wide out, then running back, then wide out, right? If you wind up with, say, you know, the Jerick McKinnon, the Devontae Freeman as your wide out one, right? And you could still then get like a, you know, a Diggs and then in round four wind up with, say, an Allen Robinson. I think that's what we're talking about, right? So you're talking about, say, Jones, I mean, Julio, Keenan Allen and Stefan Diggs, but then Marshawn Lynch, Versus what could have been, say, Julio, Stefan Diggs, and Brandon Cooks or a Marvin Jones, and then still have like a Devontae Freeman, a Christian McCaffrey, a Jarek McKinnon as your running back one, right? Those are the, you have to think about it comprehensively, like four players and four players. And that's kind of what you would have been going for, right? Yeah, pretty much. That's exactly like that's the thing is you got to think what, what you're going to end up with. And this is going to be a little bit different, too, because this is a 14 team league. So it kind of sure. skews like the fact that they had 14 teams is just stupid. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> you always uh, you're supposed to be. The point is, you're supposed to be helping everybody. This doesn't help anybody because they don't play in 14 team leagues. It's 12 team. I hear you. Um, I will make one subtle plug for the 14-team league. The reason that I do love the 14-team league is because that, with a traditional schedule, allows you to play the other 13 teams once and exactly once in your regular season. I don't like sometimes in 12-team leagues where I have an unbalanced schedule and I might have to wind up playing another big playoff team twice and others don't. So for that reason, I actually love the 14-team uh format because you play every other team exactly once. I like the balanced schedule, Jake. I couldn't care less about the balanced schedule. Okay. Be, who, be who's Jake in front Seeley. of you. Jake Seeley's going to beat whoever's in front of him. It don't matter who it is. I kind of like a regular schedule so that I can play every team just once. Hey, Jake, let's look at the Chris List team, okay? He goes with Odell Beckham, Mike Evans, and T.Y. Hilton. Wide out, wide out, wide out. He, however, um, kind of, you know how you mentioned you didn't like the fourth pick, you know, going tight end there. He listens to that approach a little bit more. He's going to have his wide out, wide out, wide out. Then in rounds four and five, he gets Mark Ingram and... Tariq, I think I pronounced it correctly that time, Jake. Tariq Cohen, you like this a little bit better? Because uh, I know, you though, you don't like the way he doubled up on tight end later on at Delaney Walker and George Kittle. We talked about that. But winding up with Ingram and Cohen, is that a little bit better way to go if you go wide out heavy? No. It would, the, the fact that what he did in round four and five was better, but the picks weren't. Like, not, okay, you go three wide. I have no problem with that, especially T.Y. Hilton sitting there in round three. It's hard to pass up at the end of round three in a 14-team league. If Andrew Luck is healthy, 
That's a, he's basically got three first round talent wide receivers. Well, as of the time of the draft, because you know, Jameis Winston wasn't suspended yet. I'm still not moving Mike Evans down that much. He has three wide receivers that could potentially finish his first round values. That's hard to pass up. The the fact of but now you've done this. Mark Ingram is fine for somebody as their number two because you're taking the gamble that you can survive those first four weeks. So Technically, he doesn't. Well, it's, he still doesn't have a running back for the first four weeks. Again, Rashad Penny, Jay Ajayi, Kenyon Drake, Lamar Miller. There's names on the board where that this just doesn't make sense to do it. And then Tariq Cohen. Seriously, Tariq Cohen's like you're, that's your second running back who's a pass catcher only. He's not taking over this backfield. And then you still have Sony Michelle, Marshawn Lynch. Uh, you could go down like heck. T- I like Tevin Coleman. I don't like him before, but I'll take Tevin Coleman over Tariq Cohen every single time because at least mm-hmm. with Tariq Cohen, like here's the difference: if Jordan Howard gets hurt, Tariq Cohen's not going to all of a sudden be the lead running back because he can't. Right. Tevin Coleman, if Devontae Freeman ever got hurt, would be the lead running back. There's the difference there. So that's the what I like. So I like the fact that he dove into the running back pool. I just don't like who he took. Fair enough. Fair enough. One other thing we did not like about this draft is in rounds eight and nine, Jake, list doubles up on tight end. Now, listen, I, I'm a little bit lower on Delaney Walker than I know you are. Regardless, Delaney Walker, sure, you want to take a tight end. Why then does he, on the comeback, go right ahead and grab George Kittle, especially if he has a need? He needs to get some depth here at running back. Why fill his tight end two spot before he gets that depth at running back? I'm a little bit confused about that as well. Do you agree, Jake? Yeah, because it, it honestly makes no sense to me because let's look at the roster and think about what his team is. So, Beckham, Evans, and Hilton, they, sure. they're never coming out of your lineup. Done. Right? Chris Hogan is your flex. And that's, I mean, Chris Hogan was number eight. For People forget. Yeah, he was the strong. eighth best wide receiver last year before he got hurt. So Chris Hogan, even if he's not that, he's in your flex. You can't start both tight ends. Like, right. you're benching one immediately. So... Whether you're down on Delaney Walker and excited about George Kittle, I have no problem with either of those takes. The problem is, why are you taking George Kittle? Like, what are you doing with George Kittle? Like, nothing. He's going to end up on your bench. You could have taken Nick Chubb, who, whether or not you agree with me on that, could have been something. You still need a running back situation here, like Naheem Himes. Maybe he's the pass catcher. Maybe he turns into Tariq Cohen this year, and then you have that there. Maybe... Royce Freeman, bombs, and Devontae Booker takes over in Denver. I mean, you can keep going down this list. Sure. Is Bilal Powell, Theo Riddick is still going to be Theo Riddick in PPR. James White still going to be James White in PPR. Like, maybe, you know, the situation where Jarek McKinnon gets hurt because he's given 20 touches a game and can't handle it, and Matt Breida steps up. Mm-hmm. I just I don't understand it because you can't even start that person. Like, basically, by taking Kittle, the only way to get real value out of Kittle is if Delaney Walker gets hurt. So, well, then why did you take Delaney Walker? Yeah, I was thinking the same kind of thing. Like, hey, it's, if you're high on Kittle and he then grabs Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo as well, if that's something you're really high on and you think that Garoppolo-Kittle combination is going to be the stack for you all year long, cool. You know, whatever. But then why take Delaney Walker? You know, um, Liz, uh, do you think Liss might wind up fl- trading Chris Hogan? You know what I mean? Because he doesn't need him per se. I can see something like a Chris Hogan and a Aaron Jones or him packaging with a Mark Ingram or whatever and getting a real running back. You know what I mean? I Could you see Hogan, uh, you know, can you see him doing something like Hogan and Cohen and try to get a Kenyon Drake or something like that? Is that a move you would recommend for a guy like Chris Liss? No, well, I mean, he can try. It's not going to happen, though. Like, they, Don't ever, ever, ever draft to trade. That's the most... St- 
ignorant thing you can do. Okay, so you think he's just trying to put Chris Hogan in his flex spot week to week and then figure it out at running back. Yeah, well, and then if he makes that trade anyway, now you just created a problem at the flex. So what, you want to start tight end at flex every single week? That's You just created a problem. I'm, I'm just more addressing the fact that, like I said, is don't ever draft a trade. People think they're going to do it all the time. They're like, oh, I'm going to take the third quarterback and screw everybody else in the league. No, you're not because nobody's going to trade with you because they know exactly what you did. They're not idiots. You're not playing with 11 morons in your league that don't see exactly what you were trying to do. So you're not going to get true value. And then for the entire time you're trying to trade them and sit there on your team in your hands, you you lost a position value somewhere, go back to the black book with Joe Bizapia, RPB, relative position value. You're just wasting that for your own team to begin with. So don't, don't ever trade. Don't ever draft to trade. Fair enough. Absolutely. Because I think the best point Jake makes is if you're trying to do this and stockpile and then trade, everyone in your league can also see that's why you're doing it. So you're not going to wind up getting full value. But Jake, our quest continues to try to find a team that is going to go with this heavy wide receiver strategy and still wind up with a team that we actually like. Chris Liss and Mike Clay go wide out, wide out, wide out. And we are struggling to see the value in that team because the impact of their running back spot continues to be a little bit too much. Hey, Jake, we got to finish off the show today with Roto Cleo. Jake, I don't know if you saw, I'm gaining on you, brother man. On Friday, we both went uh, Freddie Freeman, remember that? In a, I think it was like a 15-inning game for the Braves on Friday. He goes two for seven, does get a hit, does not get a home run. I got the win out of Shane Bieber. Um, you had Newcomb in that game for Atlanta, and obviously if it goes 15 innings, he did not get a win. I have somewhere to go today, Jake, but if you want to go first, I will defer to you. Do you have your Roto Cleo picks, or you want me to give you mine as you go ahead and figure yours out and finalize yours? No, I I can go. I'm not going to take Justin Verlander. That'd be the easy one to go with. You're not Uh, going chalk. Okay, where are you going? Throw him off the board, you know. But uh, I think that if we're not going to go with him, he's he's like an automatic throw out at this point. I'm not not going Verlander either today. But I'm going to go because there's somebody. Dwayne Underwood is on the other oh. side of the mound. So I'm going with Kente Maeda for the Dodgers who have been on a roll at home mm-hmm. today for the win. You like that for the win. I was conflicted, Jake. I didn't want to go Verlander, right? And so I'm between two people. One is Mike Fultonevich at home against Cincinnati, but I'm a little bit worried that it's his first start back. And guys in their first start back, I'm a little bit worried that he won't go the full route. So while I love Mike Fultonevich, he is coming back from the Trevor Ending story, my team as well. Instead, I'm going to continue to attack the New York Mets at City Field. Give me Jamison Tyone. On the hill today. I know the Mets put up seven runs yesterday, but the Dodgers hit seven home runs. I'm going to go with uh, Jamison Tyone today against the Mets. Where are you going uh, at the dish? At the dish? Uh, I should go back to Freddie Freeman to get a home run against Tyler Ma- <laughs> Malley, but he's not. Yeah, I'm not going to go with that. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go back to... Hold on. Is Dwayne Underwood a righty? Because if so, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I know I where you're going. I don't, I don't even know. Well, I, really? I, I just pulled up their ESPN page. Dwayne Underwood doesn't even have a righty lefty. I guess I have to go to Fangraphs. <laughs> Thanks. Underwood. It's probably like nobody even, like, oh, because he hasn't well, even made his debut. When you're so checking even, in on that, Jake, when you're he checking in on. He is a righty. On... So I'm, go, I'm going with Cody Bellinger to, to go deep. Cody like Bellinger's that. been on a roll. Actually, he hit two yesterday, didn't he? He did hit two yesterday. The Dodgers hit seven home runs as a team. Kike Hernandez with two as well. That's, Jake, that's, you know that's who else? That's risky then. Oh, you don't think they're going to stay hot? 
Well, you got to no, attack no, it if you want to adjust. No, that's fine. I'll stick with it. I'm just saying that's risky to take three in two days. All I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't happen Well, maybe he is very hot. You know who else is very hot? In my opinion, the Cleveland Indians are hot. Give me Jose Ramirez against John Gant today. The Indians are starting to get right. They're crushing the, uh, the AL Central. I think Ramirez stays hot. He hit his 23rd home run of the year yesterday. He's got three ribbies, 52 on the season. I got Jose Ramirez against John Gant, our guy, uh, you know, J-Rod, is also going to probably try. He says he thinks he can beat you by mid-July. We shall see, Jake. Have a great day, Jake. Tomorrow we'll talk a little bit more NFC South. We'll talk about the football news and notes, and we'll dive on in a little bit more into these drafts. Have a great day. Carton and Friends up next, right here on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network.